answers. Hallelujah. Uh, I know I put it in here somewhere. Huh? Yeah, that ain't got no answers. Well, I got the answers, but hey, Dustin, I need I need a uh, uh, I need my outline. I don't know what I done. Is that mine? Give me. Yeah, dog on it. You weren't supposed to tell him I got it from you, dog on it. All right, church, say amen. Uh, Brother Jalen, you got your microphone on you. I want Brother Jalen to come uh, real quick and tell of a little experience. How many of y'all understand the fact that God's moving in this place? Things are happening. God is moving. And, and uh, I just want him to share this little testimony that he shared with me. And, uh, and then we'll get started in Luke chapter number 21. All right? Go ahead, Doc. Um, some of y'all may know, but you may not. Um, during the week, I work for Cook's Pest Control out of Decatur office, and I'm out seeing anywhere from 18 to 20 customers a day. It's very easy to get behind, especially if you have a new job, and that's what happened to me Monday. I got behind, had a brand new job, and I was I said, all right, I'm going to skip two, job, two stops and catch them up later on in the week. So I got to coming down Highway 36, headed to Fallful, and Brother Scott, I seen Brother Scott Campbell, and I pulled over, and we got to talking and just totally lost track of everything. Um, Brother Scott was in Hartzell. He never comes to Hartzell to get tires, but he was there Monday. So um, Brother Scott played a big part in this because we got talking, and I forgot about everything I was doing. Got to go, and I wound up at this house, and when I got to it, I said, why did I pull in here? Because I was going to skip this job today and do it Friday. I said, well, I'm here, so I'll just go ahead and take care of it, hurry up and get out of here and get going. Well, I looked to the side of me. There was two cars there, and it was um, a couple of Morgan County, uh, the hospice nurses. And a customer of mine had been sick with cancer, and when I go to the house, he walks around the house with me, and he would always want to talk to me. And I always try my best just to talk, keep my mind on my job, but... Um, I pulled in there, and I, I knew, I said, this can't be good. So I, I walked up to the door, stepped inside with a lady and was talking to her, and she said, we hadn't been able to, you know, I said, how's Charles doing? She said, well, we hadn't been able to wake him up since um, 8 o'clock last night. This was about 2.30 the following day. I said, well, I'm so sorry. I said, well, I've been praying for him, and I'll continue to pray. So I left, walked out the door. Got about halfway to my truck, and the lady, she just comes out the door, and she starts hollering at me. She says, Jalen, wait, wait. She said, come back. So I turn around, of course, thinking the worst, just not really knowing what to expect. And um, I just taking my time. She said, hurry. She said, he wants to talk to you. And I said, who? Who? And she said, Charles. And I said, I thought you said he was asleep. She said, he woke up. And he said, is that Jalen, the cook's man? And um, she said, well, yeah. And said he told the nurses, said, I need to talk to him. So I went in there and uh, got down right there in the chair beside his bed there. And I said, I said, well, Charles, I said, how you doing? And he said, no small talk. He said, I need to know about that God that you tell me about every time you come to the house. And I said, I said, well, Charles, I said, that'd be great. Couldn't find a Bible in the house. I loaded a Bible app on my iPhone, and I still hadn't learned how to use it. Still hadn't today. But I said, well, Charles, I ain't got a Bible. I said, listen, let's just do it. This is it. 
and I got to talk to him, and we got to share him. And right there on his deathbed, the good Lord just saved that man right there. And not just for me, but from what Brother Scott did, because he got me sidetracked and got me going to the wrong house that I really need to be at. So I'm just so glad God used me as a part of that. Amen. Amen. God will use what we're good at, and Scott's good at goofing off, so I guess God, God used what we need. Amen. All right. Church, say amen. Now, I've got a lot in the intro that we need to really cover and understand if you're going to get the true understanding of the whole chapter. So how many of y'all ready to study the Bible tonight? Amen. Anybody need an outline? Brother Johnny's got an outline. You, you came in and and uh, wasn't paying attention, and I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. If you need one, raise your hand real quick, right here, right here, Brother Mike, right here in the middle, over there on that side, Brother Johnny. All right, anybody else on this side, anybody need a lesson, want you to be able to follow along with us? All right. Isn't it good to be saved? It sure is. Well, let's, let's stand up for just for a second and read a few verses. We really need to read the whole chapter, uh, but we're not going to to save time tonight. But I tell you what, if we could... If we could, how many of y'all are really serious about studying your Bible? Really serious about studying your Bible? Well, do this. Uh, when we finish, we'll probably finish this particular chapter tonight if I hurry. Uh, but next week, on that Wednesday, I, w- I need you to read Luke 22. That way you're already caught up. You're already somewhat familiar with the chapter that we're going to be studying, what we're going to be reading. Uh, so it will help you out uh, before we go into it. Is that an agreement? Say amen. amen. All right. Well, let's read just a few verses to get going. And then we'll come back and and study the chapter, all right? Luke chapter 21 and verse number 1. And he looked up. Now, he is in the temple. Uh, Jesus is in the temple. He's already already shared uh, some teaching with the people there. And and, and matter of fact, if you go back and look at the last three verses of chapter 20, you'll find out that he's looking at people that are highfalutin. He is looking at snobs. He's looking at people that uh, kind of want to brag about their status and want to show off. And and God's not about that. God's not looking for people who want a big part of something little. Uh, He's looking for people that want a small part of something big. Amen? And, and, and he sees this, he sees their behavior, and the Bible says in verse 1, And he looked up, and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites, two insignificant pieces of money uh, in, in the eyes of the rich people, but not to God. And he said, Of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all, for all these have of their abundance cast in under the offerings of God, but she of her penury or her poverty hath cast in all the living that she had. Now they still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. So they begin to talk to Jesus. And he, as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. Listen, the temple was very elaborate. It had precious stones. It had gold. I mean, it had everything you can imagine. It was very, very elaborate. And here Jesus is. He looks up and sees rich men throwing out of their abundance, and they was given. And it was probably a lot more than the poor widow, but not in God's eyes. This widow put in all that she had, and and now here they're wanting to brag about the stones and brag about the gold and brag about the elaborate. And Jesus is like, what, what, don't you get it? 
Now watch, now watch. As for these things which ye behold, the days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this chapter. Thank you for the study that we're about to embark in. God will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, here's the deal. We're in the temple. We're in the temple. Jesus is sitting there as he is teaching, and they're watching. They're watching. They, they, they are watching people as they're bringing their offerings to the temple, and they're casting it into the, uh, the offering, basically the offering plate, if you will, if we want to modernize it. It's when they're taking up the offering, they're, they're putting it in uh, uh, to the, the deal there. And Jesus is watching rich people casting in out of their abundance, and now this poor widow comes, in, and she has two mites, and here she comes and gives her best. Gives all that she has. I, I was reading and studying, and it's, it's amazing that it's, it, Jesus doesn't necessarily focus on what you give, but what you have left. Did y'all hear what I just said? God doesn't necessarily focus on what you give, but what you have left. How much sacrifice was made in the giving? Well, Jesus honored this, this widow, but all of that, the story there, I really wanted to focus in. I wanted to preach a message on all in. I really did, but I want to stay true to the context of the chapter and, and really study the Bible. It's easy to take something and go and run with it and preach it. And, you know, I, I was going to take that and go to uh, the verse that says, that God says we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. That means we're to be all in, amen? But this chapter, that was just, that was just a trigger. This story of the widow was just a trigger point for Jesus to be able to teach a deeper truth and a greater truth to his disciples because it triggered them to ask a question. Uh, he said, look at all the gold. Look at all the, 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 the elaborate decorations of the temple. Isn't this beautiful? Basically bragging on their deal. But Jesus said, I tell you what, guys, everything that you see will be destroyed. Everything that you see will be torn down. Not one stone will be left on another. Boy, they just, their eyes got that big around. They were thinking, what in the world? Well, they left the temple. They left the temple. And, and if you want to do a comparison, I would challenge you to do this. Read all of Luke 21. Go read all of Matthew chapter 24 and all of Mark 13 because they're, they're covering the same thing. Luke covers it in a little bit of different way, but they all three cover the, 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 what's called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus leaves the temple, he goes to the, uh, uh, the Mount of Olives, and he sits there at the Mount of Olives, and then uh, the disciples come up to him, uh, basically Peter, James, and John, and I think Andrew, and they say, when's that going to happen? You know that destruction of the temple thing? Because you've got to understand, this is, like a, this is like a major deal. This would be like saying, uh, that White House right there, uh, the White House in Washington, it's going to be totally destroyed all the way to the ground. It's that significant. What? They were almost in shock. I mean, they was like, dude, what's that about? And they asked him three questions. Now, all three questions are not listed here in Luke 21, but if you'll go in, in, in uh, Matthew, you'll find all three questions, and these are the three questions that were asked. When would the temple be destroyed? What would be the sign of his coming? And what would be the sign of the end of the... Matter of fact, just so you know I'm not lying to you, let's go on over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 24, that's where my outline is, amen, hallelujah. Nah, Johnny, amen, no. Uh, verse number three, 
Verse number 3, Matthew 24, verse 3. This is, this is Matthew's account. He says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Question number 1. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? Question number 2. And of the end of the world? Question number 3. So y'all with me now. Three questions. Three questions. See, we, we, when, when the Bible says rightly divide the word of truth. We need to compare chapter with chapter, verse with verse, book with book to get the full context of the chapter. So basically, when we go into studying this chapter, we need to understand that Jesus is answering three questions. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Jesus is answering three questions. Now, also, also the thing you need to understand is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. In other words, they are synonymous. They are closely related. They are both, all three, pretty much connected in the deal. But, but Luke is writing for a Gentile reader. Luke is writing for a Gentile reader, and that's us. Okay, that's us. So he is, he is going to, he is not going to go in as great of detail in his writing of this situation as Matthew does and Mark does. Does that make sense? I, I, stay with me now because this is, this is I, w- I want to study tonight. I really want to, let's get down to the nitty gritty, amen? Uh, uh, we, we got three writers that are writing about the same sermon that Jesus gives on the, uh, the Mount of Olives there, but Luke is primarily writing to a Gentile audience. So he's going he's gonna to do it in such a way that will make more sense to us. So he's going to leave out some of the great Jewish uh, or, or more highly Jewish talk in this particular uh, portion of writing. But another thing, another thing, as we're studying this chapter, you need to understand, he is writing to a Jewish ear, or excuse me, a Gentile ear, us, but he's writing about a Jewish situation. And that is very important. How many of y'all have heard the song or the phrase, every promise in the Bible is mine? How many of y'all have heard that? That's a lie. That's a lie. Every promise in the Bible is not for everybody. God has certain things that he has promised his people, the Jewish nation, that the Jewish nation is going to go through and they're going to experience and they're going to deal with. And you've got to understand that going into this chapter, this chapter is not going to make sense. Even though Luke is writing for a Gentile ear, he is speaking about something that is primarily dealing with the Jewish people. A Jew is speaking about Jews primarily about Jerusalem and the fate and the future of the Jewish people people does that make sense and 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 listen everybody's everybody's going crazy about iran they're going to annihilate israel uh-uh Mm-mm. god's got a plan god's got a plan they're his people i don't care who comes against them god's got a plan he's got a plan now so are we all together on this are we are we together on what we're talking about so in this particular thing and by the way too uh, Mark, or excuse me, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three in this particular teaching and in this particular writing are discussing the tribulation period, okay? They're primarily discussing the tribulation period. <clears throat> so as we go into this, as we go into this, and I'm going to read it uh, 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 in such a way so that we, we stay focused on what we're doing, but the sermon focuses on a period in God's prog- program called the tribulation 
When God will pour out his wrath on the nations of the world, many Bible students believe that the tribulation will begin after the Lord comes in the air and takes his church to heaven. It will climax with the return of Jesus Christ to the earth, at which time he will defeat his foes and establish his kingdom. Now, I know what you're saying. Why do we have to talk about that? Why do we have to know that he's speaking to Jewish people about something that's going to happen to the Jewish people and the, the future of the Jewish people? Because when, when, when we go to talking about signs of his coming for us, it's different. Because we're not looking for a sign. We're looking for a Savior. You see, the Jews require a sign, the Bible says. So Jesus is giving them their signs. What are we waiting on? A trumpet sound. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with him in the clouds. Compare that verse with Revelation chapter number, uh, uh, chapter number I believe it's 4, uh, verse number 1. He said, I heard a voice behind me as it were a trumpet talking with me, saying, Come up hither, and I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. And a door was opened in heaven. Say amen. I'm getting God bumps right now. Amen. You compare those, that door in heaven, that, that entryway into glory, the trumpet sound. I believe in the rapture of the church. I believe at any moment the trumpet could sound. I believe Gabriel's puckering his lips as I'm speaking right now. And I believe it's not going to be long. Everything that we're reading and everything that we're seeing in Iran and everything that's going on over there, I'm telling you, the church is about to go home. When the trumpet sounds, the church disappears. The Lord is going to come in the air. You've got to understand, there's basically two comings of the Lord. One is in the, in the, in the clouds in the rapture. The second is in, on this earth. He will step on this earth and rule and reign for a thousand years. But this is the deal. This is the deal. When Jesus comes for his church, when he comes and calls his children home, when the last person has been saved on this earth is going to be saved in the age of grace, the trumpet's going to sound, he's going to take the church and be back home with him. And at that moment, seven years will pass. A period of seven years, which is called the tribulation period, will take place. And this is what we're talking about. This is what we're discussing. This is what we're dealing with in this chapter. And you say, why, why are we, we talking like this? Because it's primarily dealing with the Jewish people, not the church. What's, what's he answering? When shall these things be? What? The destruction of the, the temple. The Jewish temple has to do with Jerusalem. When, when, when shall be the sign of thy coming? And to, coming to the Jews is not the rapture because they're not looking for him because they don't believe he came the first time. Y'all with me? See how all this is starting to fall together? You need to understand he's dealing with the Jewish nation and Jewish people. All right? Now, let's, let's go into this, this study, understanding those things. All right. Now, have I thoroughly confused everybody so far? Amen. Uh, studying the Bible is, is so important. It is so important. It gives you strength. Uh, it, it gives you ammunition. Uh, and, and God doesn't want you. I, I've been in my office all day. I've been grouchy. I've been hearing noises. And I've been telling people they're going to have to be quiet because my mind... I have ADD and DHD and PBA and whatever, anything, whatever. I got it all, I'm telling you. And every time I tried to study, 
I could hear a voice or I could hear something, and the devil's trying to distract me. And, and I just walked into this building. I have sat in my office. Bob, I'm telling you, in my office all day, and I feel like I've run the New York Marathon. I'm telling you, Belisa is my secretary. You can, you can, I, that's where I've been. And it's weariness to the flesh. But it is so important. And, and the only reason I'm saying this is, is because I don't want you to come in here and expect just to be hand-fed. I want you to learn to work. I want you to learn to think. I want you to learn to study because it's so important. You're never going to grow stronger. You're never going to mature and develop as a strong Christian soldier until you learn to come and think about this stuff. I know some of this stuff I think, and some of y'all think, hmm, what's that all about? But that's okay. You'll never learn to swim until you get in deep water. Amen? I, learned, I heard something, too, I liked this week, too. You know, everybody likes the shouting messages and the shouting and all this, but guess what? Shallow water is real noisy. Deep water moves real quiet. Think about that. Let's talk about the first thing. They said, they said let's go over the questions again. Let's go over the questions. This is what we're going to answer. When would the temple be destroyed? What would be the sign of its coming? And what would be the sign of the end of the age? What would be the sign of the end of the age? Let's take number one. Let's look in our, in our notes tonight. Number one, let's look at the description of the age. What's going to be going on? What's, what's going to be happening uh, uh, during this period of time? Jesus begins, Jesus begins in verse number 8. And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The great earthquake shall be in divers places and famines and pestilence and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn for you a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts and not to meditate uh, for what ye shall answer, but for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and by brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not the hair of your head perish. And your patience possess ye your souls. Now, in one statement he just said, some of you will be put to death. In the other statement he said, not one hair of your head shall perish. It's in reference to the nation of Israel. Y'all with me? They're going to be facing... Did anybody, did anybody listen to Benjamin Netanyahu this week? You need to Google it. You need to Google it and listen to it and praise God for that man and thank God for that man and pray for that man. He said, I refuse, I refuse as Israel's leader to allow our people to live in fear of annihilation. I refuse. And I wanted to say amen. Now here's the deal. They are being threatened. They are being, they are being attacked on every side you can imagine. But as a whole, as a nation, they're going to make it. They're going to come through. And that's what he means by not a hair of your head shall perish. He's talking about the nation as a whole. Does that make sense? Say amen. 
Now let's look at the description of this age. Three things we look at. First, there's going to be a lot of religious deception. There's going to be a lot of religious deception, even to the point, even to the point, and we're talking about this is in reference to the first, uh, uh, the first phase and the first part of the, the tribulation period. Uh, God said this. He, he would send a strong delusion that, that even the elect would believe. It, it, the, the, the delusion in this time is going to be so powerful and so strong, we could be deceived. Now, here's what I know what some of you are thinking. Well, uh, these things by themselves are not signs in themselves. Because from the time that Jesus came until now, we have seen all of these, have we not? We've seen earthquakes. We've seen pestilence. We've seen disease. We've seen false Christ. I mean, David Koresh. We say, you name it, Jim Jones. We, we, we've seen all of these. But what this is saying in reference, if you study the word, it means they're going to magnify and they're going to intensify. They're going to be more and more and more and more of them. But if you compare, if you compare these to uh, especially Revelation chapter number 6 and compare them, write that down and go compare them. It's a great, great study. We'll see religious deception. He says, many shall come in my name. Verse number 8, take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. And one of the main ones is going to do it is the Antichrist. That's a whole other study. B, there's going to be international distress. Not just religious deception, but there's going to be international distress. And as we read wars, rumors of wars, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, pestilence. And by the way, guys, <laughs> the tribulation period cannot start till we're gone. Hallelujah. But look around. I mean, it seems like everything we just read right here is intensifying dramatically. And if the real deal can't take place till we're gone... How close are we? That's just a thought. Amen. International distress. He says not only will there be international distress, there's going to be religious persecution. Boy, that's just right in the news today, isn't it? I tell you, if you, if you, if you Google religious persecution in the United States, it will blow your mind what's happening in our own country right now. People not being able to have Bible studies in their own homes. I'm talking about the, the attack, the satanic attack on the church in America is unbelievable. What we, we're, we're thinking this is just a political pawn with the election and everything going on with the contraceptive deal. This is a lot bigger than what we think. Say, so, oh, well, that's just Catholics. We better open our eyes. This is a satanic attack on the church. All right? Religious persecution. In what way? Official? Verses 12 through 15 says it will be official through government, but before all these they shall lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into the prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to uh, meditate uh, before what ye shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom with all of your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay for it. So it's going to be official persecution, but not only official persecution, there's going to be personal personal persecution you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolk and friends and some of you shall they cause to be put to death you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake but there shall not a hair of your head perish and your patience possess ye your souls now who is he 
primarily talking about that's going to be experiencing this? The Jewish people. All right, keep that in mind. That's why I said in the beginning, because I want you to think, oh, here this, this is not the church. This is not talking about the church. This is talking about the, the, the Jewish people, okay? Now, here we're going to have a little uh, uh, a different in teaching from Mark and Matthew. Luke is going to step out and talk about specifically what Jesus said about the temple, okay? And Mark and Matthew... They are talking about primarily the abomination of desolation. And I know some of y'all are saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. When you go home, when you go home and you read Matthew 24 and 25, and you read Mark chapter 13, is it 13? Did I, is that what I said? Mark 13. Uh, when you compare them to what he is fixing to say right here in verses number uh, 20 through 24, this is a different section, you're going to find out that Matthew and Mark are talking primarily about the abomination of desolation when the Antichrist is going to go into the temple and set up a, a, a statue and say, bow down to me. All right? That is a different situation than what Luke is describing right here. Luke is describing primarily the destruction of the temple uh, with Titus and when Rome and Titus came in in 70 A.D., which is about 40 years after Jesus was given this sermon. Uh, this is what he's talking about. If that makes sense, say amen. You remember I said they were pretty much synonymous, but not right here. Matthew and Mark described the abomination of desolation in the, in the, the tribulation period with the Antichrist, but Luke is describing the destruction of the temple with Titus and Rome when they came in and leveled everything. All right? Now, with that being said, let's continue reading. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let the, And you say, how do you know? How do you know this is different? Because if you'll look at the language, if you'll look at the language and what we're fixing to read, you'll find out they were destroyed. But in the others, they're not. Because, listen, they're not going to do that again to, to Israel. In the tribulation period, this is not going to happen. All right? God is going to protect the nation of Israel. All right, now let's start. Let's continue reading. When you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies... That's Titus and Rome. Uh, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them... See, right now he's answering the question. He's answering the question about the temple. Because they were asking, when shall these things be? In other words, the destruction of the temple. Is everybody with me right there? He is answering that question. He says, uh, when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the mid, uh, Brother Buchanan, turn to uh, uh, Luke nineteen, uh, Luke nineteen forty one, Luke nineteen forty one. Now, as I'm reading this, as I'm reading this, you will understand more. How many of y'all was here during the Luke nineteen study? Most of you was. You just don't remember it. That's it was before yesterday, so you're not going to remember it. Amen. But how many y'all? How many y'all remember Jesus coming in on the donkey? You remember him sobbing? Watch, this is why. All right, Look, read Luke nineteen forty-one. This is the this is what I'm talking about. Luke nineteen forty-one to forty-four. All right, you remember? Remember when we studied that word "wept" in that chapter? It wasn't. It meant openly sobbing i mean he it, wailing as you would see at a funeral he was sobbing 
most most I, people, and I did till I studied that for this for this study. I always had in my mind this image of Jesus waving and happy and excited, coming in on the donkey and everybody praising Hosanna to the king. But that book, that book tells us that he was sobbing when he saw the city, when he saw the people, when he saw the babies and the women and the children, and when he saw everything, he was sobbing. Keep on. He said, if you'd have just known, if you'd have known who I was and what I want to bring you. But they turned their back on him, and he was sobbing because of what he's talking about right here. He's sobbing and he's weeping because of this. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries uh, enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captives into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. He's in reference to A.D. 70 and Titus coming in and destroying Jerusalem. Are y'all with me right there? Now watch. This paragraph is peculiar to Luke. There's no parallel in Matthew or Mark in spite of the similar language in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. However, it is clear that both Matthew and Mark were referring to the events in the middle of the tribulation when the abomination of desolation would be set up, referring to the events in the middle of the tribulation when abomination of desolation would be set up in the Jewish temple and the Antichrist, the world ruler, would begin to persecute Israel. Jesus warned the people to flee and go into hiding for great tribulation was about to fall. That's Matthew and Mark. All right? Can I... How many of y'all, and, and I need to do this because I feel like somebody does it. How many of y'all, when I say abomination of desolation, you really have no clue what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, this is the deal. The Antichrist, when the rapture of the church takes place, when the rapture of the church takes place, there's going to be so much mass confusion on this earth that we're going to need a hero. When I say we, the world is going to need a hero. There's going to come a man who has got an answer for everything. He is going to be such a smooth talker. He's going to be such a sweet politician. He's going to be so so deceptive in his ways that he's going to bring an answer to this whole earth and solve all of this problem and finally bring peace to the earth. He's the white horse rider of Revelation, the first one, the one with a bow in his hand, not the one with a sword. Say amen. He's the false Christ. He's the Antichrist. He is the world leader that's going to come, and he's going to, he's going to cause a peace treaty to be signed with Israel. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but the whole world is in turmoil over Israel. The whole Middle East is all in... Now, now watch. So he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna get with the Israelis. He's going to get with the, 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 the Arabic people. And here we are. We're just all going to get along. And the Israelis are going to think, this is great. Where has he been all of this time? This is wonderful. He's going to allow them to build a temple where they can go in and have their formal temple worship like they used to have. But 
halfway through that, that truce, he's going to break the truce, and he's going to go into the temple, and he's going to say, I'm God, bow down to me. That is the abomination of desolation. When the Antichrist goes into the temple and says, I want you to bow down to me and serve me, I'm your God, then they're going to realize, what have we done? And they're going to flee to the mountains. They're going to flee. That is what Matthew and Mark are talking about. But Luke is not talking about that. Are you all with me? Say amen. Luke's account refers not to a distant event to occur during the tribulation, but to the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus and the Roman army in A.D. 70. Just 40 years from that time that Jesus has given that sermon, it takes place. This terrible event was in many respects a dress rehearsal for what will happen when Satan vents his anger on Israel and the believing Gentiles during the last half of the tribulation period. The Jewish historian Josephus claimed that nearly a million people were killed by the Romans and over 100,000 taken captives when Titus captured the city. Now do you know why Jesus was sobbing? You see, Jesus came. He said, the thief comes, John 10, 10. The thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that you might have life. I didn't come, I didn't come to destroy the word. I come to fulfill the word. I didn't come to condemn. I come that you wouldn't be under condemnation. I came that you might have life. I love you. But he could see what was coming. He could see a million people being torn to shreds by a fierce Roman army. Listen, pregnant women with babies ripped out of their bellies. Children killed in the streets simply because they rejected their Messiah. And he said, this didn't have to happen. This didn't have to happen. Openly weeping and sobbing. And now Jesus is trying to tell them what's fixing to take place. This is happening. It's coming. Forty years, forty years from the date of that sermon, it took place. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple, and and I, I learned I learned why. I learned why uh, it says no stone will remain upon another. When Jesus says something, you can bank it. It's gonna happen. But see, much of the temple was overlain in gold. And when they burnt the temple, guess what happens when gold gets hot? It melts, and it goes down into the cracks of the floors and the, and the stones and the pillars. So what they did in order to come spoil the temple, they had to pry up the stones to get the gold that had seeped down into the crack. Isn't the Bible amazing? Jesus said, not one stone will remain upon another. And they destroyed it completely completely am i boring anybody listen when shall these things be when shall these things be he said when you see the army surrounding jerusalem they're going to put a trench about see compare what brother brother buchanan read to what i read it's the same thing he said it's coming it's coming always remember this too destruction always follows disobedience it always does. All right, let's move on to another section. We talked about the description of the age. We talked about the destruction of the temple. But let's talk about the return of the Lord. Now, remember this. The return of the Lord is not talking about the rapture. Okay? 
Who's he talking? Who's it, who is Jesus is a Jew talking to what kind of people? All right, they're not looking for a rapture. The Jewish people don't think Jesus came the first time. So when they see him, he's talking about, when we talk about the return of the Lord for the Jewish people, it's talking about at the end of the seven-year tribulation period when he comes back to this earth and they're going to see him and they're going to believe on him and they're going to accept him then. Does that make sense? All right. Let's talk about that. Verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. This is to, at the end of the tribulation period. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to come to pass, then lift up your head, look up, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Whose redemption? Who? The Jewish people. During a tribulation period of God dealing and trying to bring the Jewish people back, okay? Now, let's talk about that particular return. Now, we know the rapture, the rapture is going to be secret. Remember? The rapture is going to be secret. Jesus said he's going to come as a, as a what in the night? Thief in the night. You don't know when he's coming. It's a secret. He's going to slip in. He's going to come get us. It's going to be a secret deal. We're going to, the trumpet's going to sound. We're going to be gone. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive remain shall be caught. So, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. I get that. But the word caught up is. And, and rapture means caught up. All right? So when the trumpet sounds, we're going to be called up together to be with them in the clouds, and we'll be with the Lord. Now, what's going to happen? If you'll go read your Bible, uh, you remember this. Uh, I got time. Uh, let's talk about Revelation a minute. Can we do that? Revelation. Revelation is broken up into three parts. Revelation chapter 1, verses uh, 11, I think. Revelation 1. Either, uh, either verse... 11 or 14, I, I can't remember, or, or one other verse in there. Uh, but this is what you're looking for. Write the things which thou hast heard, or the things which thou hast seen, things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. What verse is that? It's toward the end. 19. All right, check out 19. All right, is that it? Okay, read it for us. All right, God is telling, God is telling the, the, uh, uh, the Apostle John, he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he's, you know, under quarantine, if you will, and he's giving him prophetic images in his mind. He's seeing, God's letting him see what's going to happen in the end times. And this is what he tells him. He said, write the things which thou hast seen. What did he saw? He saw the vision. If you'll go back and read chapter 1, he saw the vision of the resurrected Lord. He saw feet like brass, eyes like fire, a, 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 a garment of white, he saw the resurrected Lord. Amen? He said, write the things which thou hast seen. That's chapter 1. Write the things which are. In other words, in present, that's chapters 2 and 3. What is that? That's seven letters to the seven churches, which represents the age we're living in right now. The age of the church. From the time Jesus started the church to the time we are right now. There's seven different periods. 
from the, the church of Ephesus, which is the first one, to the church of Laodicea, which is the last one. And that's where we're at right now. We're in the Laodicean church age. We're at the very end of the church age in the age of grace. We are waiting on Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, which is that, that comparison to the rapture. Where he said, I heard a voice behind me as it were a trumpet talking to me saying, come up hither and I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. I believe that is a very clear description of the rapture of the church. Because when that takes place, you don't hear about the church again till Revelation 19 when they come back with the Lord in the air on white horses. Say amen. Now, with that being said, uh, the rapture is going to be secret. A moment twinkling in the eye. We're going to go. We're going to be with the Lord in the air. Revelations 4 and 5 is the scene in heaven. Okay? Revelations 4 and 5 is the scene in heaven right after the rapture takes place. We're going to be there. Uh, uh, we're going to be around the throne. We're going to be worshiping God. You talking about a church service? We're going to have a church service out of this world. We're going to be singing, glorifying Him. The Bible says we're going to sing an old song and a new song. The old song is Thou art worthy because Thou hast created all things and all things were created for Thy pleasure. They are and we're created. And the new song is Thou art worthy because Thou hast redeemed us unto God by Thy blood out of every kindred, nation, and tongue. Somebody say amen. We're going to worship God like never before. It's going to be a time like no other. It's going to be so awesome and incredible. Chapters 4 and 5 is what's happening in heaven, but chapter 6 on is what's happening on earth. And what's happening on earth is the tribulation period begins. A seven years of untold horror is going to take place upon this earth. And the nation of Israel is going to have to go through it. They're going to have to go through it, but God's going to keep them safe. You want to see an Old Testament picture of the tribulation period? The Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Is that a Florida Gator shirt? That is such an awesome shirt. That's an anointed shirt right there. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's just a commercial. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Stand up, turn around, show it. Yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about. I, I'm sorry. I, I said ADD messing up with me. That's what it was right there. All right. Uh, uh, I don't forgot where I was at. Amen. What was we talking about, Bob? Enoch, that's right, Old Testament picture. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. What does that mean? He was going along his day, and God said, It's closer to my house than it is yours. Won't you just come on home and be with me? And God took him up to heaven. He never died. But then, just a little while later, judgment came upon the earth by way of a flood. God said, Build an ark. God put Noah and his family in that ark, closed them up safe. And through the judgment period of the flood, God kept Noah safe in that ark. Enoch is the type of the church being raptured out before judgment comes. Noah and his family is a picture and a type of the nation of Israel being kept through the judgment period of the tribulation period. And when it's all said and done, they're going to be okay. Say amen. I wasn't planning on all this, but I'm having fun, ain't y'all? Listen, he says, one day, one day, you're going to have to go through just unbelievable, unbelievable tribulation. But not one hair of your head. The nation of Israel, the bride of God the Father. You see, you see, basically, if you want to put it in terms like this, the church is the bride of Christ. The Jewish nation is the bride of the Father. They're God's people. And God's going to keep them safe. Now, here's the deal. Lastly, 
The return of the Lord in the air is Revelation, basically Revelation 19. It describes the frightening judgment signs that God will send. And by the, by the way, that's when the, 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 the battle of Armageddon takes place. And I'm not going to go into that because we'll be here another 45 minutes. Uh, when these things occur, it will be evidence that the Lord's coming is drawing near. Matthew 24, 29 informs us that the sun and moon will be darkened and the stars will fall. Jesus Christ will appear. Every eye shall see him. You know, people, they used to mock that. How can every eye on the planet see him? They used to mock that before technology, and now no matter where you're at on the planet, you can see anything that happens anywhere on the planet. Because of satellite technology, because of TV, I believe when that moment comes, it's going to be worldwide, and every eye will see him, just like God said. The nation of Israel will at last recognize their Messiah, repent, believe, and be saved. Christ's appearing will be sudden, glorious, and with great power. The image here is taken from Daniel 7.13, a messianic passage that must have been familiar to the disciples. The angels promised that Jesus would return to the earth in the same way he departed. You remember, you remember in Acts chapter number 1? Remember in Acts chapter number 1 when, uh, when, when uh, Jesus ascended up into heaven at, at his ascension and they were just standing there, just wow, man. And the, and the two angels appeared and said, why stand you here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that left, he's going to come back in the same manner. In other words, he's going to come right back to the Mount of Olives just like he left. He's going to walk down and he's going to, hallelujah, walk through the gate and take his throne. Of the, mm, say man. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, we go, on to, we go on to the last point that we need to understand. All right? Having answered these questions, having answered the question, when will, when, when will it be? What will be the signs of the coming? All right? What will be the signs of the end of the age? Uh, 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 he talked about the temple. And we, he, he discussed that. But now, how does this apply to us? I mean, it's good to know all this stuff, isn't it? It's good to know all this stuff, say we know the Bible, but what is it? He, he, he applies it to us because it's really important for us to understand that there's a limited time for the nation of Israel, but there's a limited time for us too. He's going to come in the rapture for us too. So what does he tell us? Look in verse number 29. And he spake to them, and he spake to them a parable. Behold, the fig tree and all the trees. When they now uh, shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Some Bible scholars believe that that fig tree is a representation of Israel. And when Israel became a nation in uh, May of 1948, that they believed that triggered a sign. When, that, when, that, when Israel became a nation, that generation shall not pass away. before the, in, in a generation 70, pop, what is it, 70... 70 years, I think, is it 72? You're on borrowed time, brother, amen. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it says it's uh, some score, and I think it's 72. So anyhow, that's really irrelevant, doesn't really matter. But the point is, uh, some believe the people that were born in, in 1948, uh, their, their generation of folks will not pass before the coming of the Son of God. Now, with that being said, Jesus said, no man shall know the day nor the hour. So it's not a concrete thing that this is what this is in reference to. So, so don't, go, don't go saying exactly that that's the case, that everybody born in 1948, before they all die out, Jesus is coming. Don't do that. Don't do because that's really not the point. That's not the point of what he's trying to say. He's trying to say this, 
when you when you see a, a, a tree start budding, you know summer's nigh. And what Jesus is saying, when you see some of these things start beginning to happen, you know it's close. Okay, does everybody get that? Don't 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 run around like some of these people do and 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 start trying to make predictions and dates and all that because you're just gonna make a fool of yourself. Because Jesus said, no man knoweth the hour. Just do what I told you to do. Don't watch for a sign. Watch for the sky. Amen? It says this in verse number 34. And take heed to yourself. This is where we can start applying it to us right now. This is where we, we need to apply right now. All of that good stuff is good to know. But this is where we draw it home and, and it goes home with us. Take heed to yourselves. In other words, pay attention, pay close, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawares. Whereas a snare, what is a snare? Trap. It shall come on all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. In other words, that day is going to be a surprise. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. We see the responsibilities of the believer. What is our responsibilities? He, he mentions two things, and I wrote it this way. But I see two basic areas that we need to be paying attention to in our lives. And be, be, be watchful, pay attention, you know, don't get careless with it. Two areas he talked about are social life. Write that down. Our social life. What do you mean, preacher? It's the same thing I've been saying probably the last three weeks. Have y'all noticed a rhythm going with God that, listen, he wants you to be the same out there as you are in here? And he deals with sin and disobedience out there. And what he is saying right here, what we are out there is very important. Because we can get so caught up. We say, well, I don't drink and I don't get drunk, so I'm okay. Well, do you, do you work too much? Do you get so busy that you don't have time to read your Bible? Do you get so caught up in your daily business that you get in such a hurry that you forget there's human beings beside you every day that need a witness of Jesus Christ? Man, God slapped me right in the face last week. I'm telling you, I parked in the... Uh, uh, and I get this honest. I'm telling you, I get this from my father. But I, I just get impatient in traffic. I, I, I'm sorry. It is what it is. And... I got a truck that's longer than this building, and it don't really work good in a parking lot, a parking deck. Say amen. Especially when you're going the wrong way. Amen? But other than that, uh, Bob, you got to admit, the, the, the Huntsville Hospital is tight, ain't it? It's, it's tight. Well, anyhow, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going around and around, and, and, and here we go. There ain't no parking spots. I had to go slam to the top. And, 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 and that's fine. It was very because there was open parking spots up there, and I'm going to start parking up there because it takes three acres to turn it around. But anyhow, I was up there, and I'm in a hurry because the, the, the surgery was about to start, and I was running late and, and uh, got behind some slow people. And, and, um, and, and I walked in, I walked in the, the first door. Uh, uh, Bob, you know on, in the parking deck at Huntsville when – you got this huge deck in that corner where the, the, the elevators are. It's just one little, like a foyer. Well, I opened up, and there was a lady sitting there. There was a lady sitting there getting the garbage, and, and she just, I mean, just looked down and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I just went right on past her, didn't say a word, hit the button. And I don't like really, 
I, God's got to get me out of this because I'm, I'm shy when it comes to that kind of thing. Now, I can say this right here because I'm in the anointing and I can be whatever, but when it comes to meeting new people or out there, I'm scared to death. I'm telling you, it just terrifies me. But I hit the button, and, and, and God said, you just passed a human being that wasn't a foot away from you. You didn't even acknowledge her presence. I said, good morning, ma'am. How you doing? And God is my witness. God is my witness. She had such a dramatic change come over her face. It was, then I felt even worse ashamed. She looked like she had lost her best friend, but when somebody just acknowledged her presence, she just lit up. She said, I'm doing great. Sir, how are you doing? And we just, and the point is, we think that as long as we come in here and sing Amazing Grace, we can go out there and do whatever. But Jesus says this, are you paying attention? Are you going to get so caught up with the cares of this life? You don't have to be going out and drinking. You don't have to be going out and drugging it up. You can get so caught up that you forget about your responsibilities with your fellow man and Jesus. He said, be careful with your social life. Be careful that this day doesn't catch you unaware. But not only your social life, he said this, after that, he said, watch and what? Pray. He said, you don't, need, you don't need to just be careful of your social life. You need to be careful with your spiritual life. And by the way, if we'll keep our spiritual life where it needs to be, our social life will be okay. Why well, do you know that? Well, who you told me to turn around and say hi to that madam? See, when you got your, your spiritual life right, you can't get away with nothing. Am I right? Read my Bible in the morning. You know, and that, that, that Bible app is just wonderful, man. I'm telling you. Especially with all my letters after me. Amen. ADD and BHD and whatever, all this stuff. Because I can be looking, I can hit that button, and I can follow along, and I'm just in my own little world, and I'm just talking to Jesus, having a big time. And boy, my spiritual life's wonderful until I didn't pick up my socks. And, and we have an issue, and then I'm on my way to go serve Jesus. And I'm remembering my issue because your Holy Spirit won't let you, will he? So I get home, and I got to call and apologize for the issue. You see what I'm saying? If we'll really focus on that spiritual side, our social side will be okay. But what's wrong with most of us? As we're trying to keep the social side all right, and we're ignoring the spiritual side, and we're wondering, I just don't know why I can't live right. Because you're doing it. When I try my best to be good, I mess it up every time. But when I just spend time with God, He don't let me be bad. I'm serious. I can't get away with nothing. Let's watch. Because I want to be right when He gets here. Because you know what? How many of y'all ever, how many of y'all ever played hide and seek? How many of y'all was ever it? Y'all remember how that went? All right, count to a hundred. We're gonna go hide. One, two, three, seventeen, twenty-seven, twenty-nine, forty, a uh, hundred. Help me now. Help me now. 
See, some of y'all ain't it. Y'all ain't been it in a while. What happens after 100? Jesus is fixing to holler that. You see, when he comes, you're not going to have time to get ready. Because if you hadn't found your spot yet, y'all with me? Let's be ready. It's not hard. It's not. Buddy, I've been tickled about you getting saved all week. Now, I've just got to tell you. Can I, I'm, I'm going to tell on you a little bit. I, I, you look like you've got a good enough sense of humor, and if you don't, Buchanan put me up just to whoop him instead of me. Uh, uh, got saved in the third service or second service? Mr. McBrayer, he... he uh, uh, Come into he was coming to my class in the little building and uh well they had the brother Dolanem's class, the, the marriage class in the big auditorium and it was packed with people and, and he went through the wrong door and there they was and there he was, amen. And uh and uh brother Doyle said, I think you're looking for the preacher today. He said, Yep, I got saved today. Amen. And everybody went to cheer and laughing, that's great. How many of y'all are glad he got saved Sunday? Amen. Woo! Listen. It's not hard to be ready. It's not hard to be ready. We just got to make an effort. Amen? So how do, I, how do I get ready? Same thing he did Sunday. You get saved. It starts with salvation. Then after that, we got to make, make an effort. We got to make an effort. I know a lot of stuff I said was a little bit deeper than, than maybe what you're used to, but this is going to make you think. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Let's make an effort. Make it. Well, how do I make an effort? I'll tell you how. Uh, 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 Luke 22. Luke 22. You need to read it before you come next Wednesday. All right? And I promise you, if you'll start making an effort, God's going to let you get more out of this study. Okay? So what's your homework? Luke 22. All right? And we'll go through it and go after it and have a big time. Isn't the Lord good? All the time. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Pop. If you give me a dollar, <laughs> go ahead. called Petra the mountains called Petra and that's gonna happen too and that's something hallelujah the word of God will not return void will it amen well let's let's do this I want I want every head bowed and every eye closed